0: We're starting a new series today. It's called Normal. And what I was wanting just to get to, begin to look at is, what is normal if you are a Christ follower? What would it look like? How would we compare ourselves, or to whom would we compare ourselves as to see if our life is actually a model of what the Scripture teaches to be a follower of Christ? So that's kind of the whole purpose ...for this series, and it will be out of Romans chapter 8 for the next three weeks. We're just going to stay in this chapter and walk through the verses of this chapter. Before I read today this, the first part of Romans 8, I want you to use your imagination with me. Think of a, um, something you did against the law somewhere. What quickly comes to my mind is the three or four or five or six times I went to court with my third-born son, Kurt for traffic uh, speeding. Anybody else have fast-driving sons? (laughs) Yeah. So so that came to mind, and that brings to mind this function. So whatever it is, whatever your law break is, I want you to take that law break and put it on you, and I want you to, in your mind, picture yourself coming into a courtroom. You come in, and you're seated, and you're just scared to death, and you're just... trembling on the inside and outside and then the, the bailiff comes in and stands and says you all rise and in comes the judge and the judge goes to his bench or her bench and, and is seated there then the bailiff says now you may be seated And as we stood in honor of the judge and so that's the picture you're there, you're guilty you broke the law whatever it was in your own mind You've, you messed up And all you're waiting to hear now is what's going to happen. What is my judgment going to be? Is there going to be a fine? Am I going to have to spend time in jail? Am I going to have to go to those rehab classes to learn how to drive slowly again? What am I going to have to do? And so you have that dread, you know, do you feel the dread of standing before the judge? And what in the world is he going to say? Because you have no defense. You're guilty. You've done it. And there's just no way out of it. What I want you to understand in that little episode there, and later you can take a nap to overcome that worry I just put in you, is that there are many people who live at that, with that level of dread 24 hours a day. A, uh, a fear and a, a feeling of impending judgment. And so they live with a high level of anxiety, a high level of worry. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but here's what I know, is that if I ask you how many really struggle with worry, it would be a large number of the people in this room who are worried about I don't know what, but it's just this sense that things are going to not end well. Some kind of condemnation is coming. I was reminded when I was studying this, a good friend of mine, and I've told you about the funeral that we held here at Hamlin for him, he, uh, an accountant, and got into embezzlement and embezzled lots of funds and was found guilty. Judgment was coming and he took his own life. I mean, a dear friend who walked with us for many years just because of that impending judgment coming. So I'm telling you, it's not just an emotional thing, sometimes it's deadly these things that we're carrying, and so what I'm wanting us to look at today may be one of the most important things about living the Christian life that would look like that Jesus has transformed us, and I want us to figure out how to do that. The Apostle Paul talks about this feeling, and we're in chapter 8, but I want to go back to a few verses in chapter 7. Here's how Paul described, or the condition he found himself in, and he says this, 721, so I find this law at work in me. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. When I hear the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, all of the thou shalt nots and thou shalt," I agree wholeheartedly, he's saying, with those things. But I see another law that's at work within me. Among the members of my body, watch this, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and at work within my members. And then he says these words, and many of you felt these, what a wretched man I am. Who in the world can rescue me from this body of death? You know that feeling, because we've all failed. We study and we want to walk with the, in the law of God. We want to walk in obedience to God. And yet we find that war happening within us. So we're, none of us can escape some of those thoughts. Do you ever identify with him as Paul did? So as we get ready to find out how Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, how can we walk in victory here? Would you stand with me as we honor God's word? Romans 8. Verses 1 through 4. By the way, one of the most powerful chapters in Scripture. Because we're going to be studying this this month. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I should probably hear amens coming on through that one. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. That's another spot right there. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so He condemned sin in sinful man. That's, as you, could, you should do better on that one. Because I've got to say it again. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. Amen. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Lord, would you please, through the power of your Spirit, speak to us right now in the the deep places of our heart. I pray that it goes beyond our mind and gets seated in our heart so that before we leave here today, that there would be a new level of your freedom and that self-condemnation would be gone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the question the scripture is going to be dealing with today, how can I live with no condemnation? How can you live without any condemnation In your life. Can you imagine that? That is what Paul is saying the Lord Jesus came to do to set us free from that curse of sin. He came to set us free. It's hard. This is the gospel message, and it's simple, but I'll tell you, it's hard for me to grab get my head around what He has done for us. And if we could get our head around it, what if? Those of you anxious and worried and self-condemned met the Lord at that place today, and he spoke that to you, and you were able to walk out of here free from that. That would be awesome. Let's just see him do that. Want to? Two observations. First thing, grasp that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice when when is this no condemnation available? Right now. The no condemnation clause is for you right now. It's not it's not a heavenly when we die and we go to heaven, we get it. It's given to us now. Uh, Secular or religious people may place on you judgment. You didn't do this right, you didn't do this well you failed here, church, you're, you're uh, hypocrites, or whatever the judgment is, whether it's from the religious world or the secular world, I want you to understand that they want to put, that the world would want to put a, uh, a spirit of condemnation on us. But it's a lie. One of the works of the enemy, do you remember the native language of the devil? You Remember what scripture says? When he speaks lies, he's speaking his native language. He's just deception. So, I want you to understand this judgment and condemnation that's been placed upon the religious or the church world is a lie. It is a lie of the the enemy out there against us. So I want to say this to you. Self-condemnation is probably the worst condemnation. Self-condemnation. It's those thoughts and things that spin around in our mind that come around often and knock us down and knock us down and saying, you're not worthy, you will never be. Remember you're how stupid and how dumb and how, how far short you fall. Remember all those. And it just comes and just beats the snot out of us. Probably not a good phrase for a preacher, but beats the snot out of us. And it just keeps coming back. You're unworthy, condemned. And when they, when the devil lies to the church like that, guess what we do? We come in and we sit in our pew and we give our dollar, we sing our song, we walk out in anxiety and condemnation. That is not the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he came to set us free. Can you imagine somebody just taking whatever that is that keeps that within us and just pulls that right out of us? What would that feel like? No condemnation is now and it's for us. A phrase I want you to get. Forgiven for past, present, and future sin is the power of the cross. I want you to hear it again. Forgiveness for past, present, and future sin is the power of the cross. Get that in your heart. The law of the spirit of life, Paul said, has set me free from the law of sin and death. What is this law of the spirit of life? Jesus came, and you know the story. It's the gospel story. Jesus came knowing we were going to be in this condemned position. Because he gave the law back in the Old Testament. And the law is good, and the law is perfect. And if we fulfill that law, our families would be without brokenness. Our city would be without brokenness. Our church would be without brokenness. Our nation would be without brokenness. If we could fulfill all of the commandments. But then came the flesh, broken man, sinful man, trying to live that out. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And in the midst of that, we walk around in all of our brokenness, and that's where this judgment comes from. But if you'll remember, when Jesus came, he said, I knew your condition, and that was the condition. And so here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to pay for all of your sin. I'm going to pay for it by my blood went to the cross, he died, spilt his blood, and he says, all of you who want, come and get in it. Come on in, get in this blood. If you get covered in this blood, I will not only atone or take away, I will remove the sin from you. I will set you free. And this is not the Old Testament atonement where we would have to come back and do this every Sunday or at least once a year, we'd have to come and get the covering again. He said just one time, last sacrifice, my blood for you paid. Amen. I'm going to teach you how to do this amen thing. We're going to have a whole class one Sunday. Okay. But we can't fulfill the law. We tried, and every man has tried to be good enough before God, but we just cannot. And he says, I, Okay, here's what I'll do I'll pay your price. And what was it? Death. Is a death. Price And so Jesus paid it. The law of sin and death. Now what is it? It is the commandments. But I thought they were good. They are. They are of God and they are perfect. And they, if they're functioning within a culture, that's why we hate to see it removed from our government buildings. We hate to see it taken down from our schools. You know, the commandments of God. Why? Because those are the standards that release us to life and freedom, and victory, and all of that. So we hate to see them taken down, but it's the law of sin and death in that it revealed to me and to us our weakness, our failure, our inability. So the law of God revealed our brokenness. The weakness of the law was mankind's powerlessness to fulfill the righteous standards of God. There are consequences when we break the law. And coming to Christ will free you from all condemnation. Now there may be some consequences. Kurt had to pay some fines for driving too fast. I just said his name, didn't I? I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) So you can be forgiven. And, you know, shortly after, he's forgiven by us we forgive you, but you still got to pay the court costs, and you still got to pay the fine, and you still got to go take that course on how to drive slower. So there are are some standards that um, happen and consequences that happen. But do you know what the main two issues are when we break the law of God? Judgment, which is dread, and death, which is fear. Dread and fear. How many of you right now are taking medication to deal with dread and fear? Don't raise your hand. The second thing we got to do to live without condemnation is this: determined to live according to the Spirit. This is what Paul says, Romans eight four. The righteous requirements. Listen now, the new under Christ. The righteous requirements of the law. Uh, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but we live according to the spirit that's important if you are in Christ then the seed of the spirit of God has been placed within you verse 10 if Christ is in you your body is dead because of sin your spirit is alive because of righteousness so you have to say no to the flesh man and that's my flesh man does not like for me to tell it no. Does yours? I mean, I don't like any part of it, but this, this is what they saying. Bring these, this body captive, bring our minds, thoughts captive to the word of God. But focus, it says right here, according to the spirit that lives within you. There is life itself within you. The power of life is within you who know the Lord. So we focus on God's Spirit within. Second, we realize God's what Spirit, excuse me, what God's Spirit does within. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, listen to these words. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You, were, you are born now of a seed that will not die, and it is within you you are now spiritually filled or have the presence of God, I think you are filled based upon how much you walk in the Spirit, how much you depend on the Spirit. Because I have a sense that we can walk away from the Word of God, we can walk away from the leadership of the Spirit, and the flesh man gets stronger. Have you noticed that? He just gets stronger and he, he wants to have his way. But when you're walking in the Spirit, you're also in endowed by God to function in a supernatural way among a whole bunch of other folks called the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace, charis, which means endowment of power given to us. It says some prophesy, I know Ed Kaiser tells me there's a gifting of prophecy in him. Some serve, I could name about a hundred of you people, but I'd say Beverly Bills teaches us, watches, shows us how to serve. Some teach like Jean Templeton. Some encourage just walk around encouraging people like TK. The power of that gifting flows within us. Some give generously in meeting needs at Wells, speak that so loudly in front of us, some lead like ann Cox and. Some show mercy like holly fees. They have these giftings that flow out of them. There is the message of wisdom that is spoken like Brother Calvin when he speaks. It's a message of wisdom that flows out of that. There is the message of knowledge like Mike Snodgrass in teaching and breaking out that word of God to our people. Some, it says, have miraculous powers. Can I tell you I don't know who that is yet? But I will tell you this, they are here. You know why? We've put those down as unattainable these days. God didn't do that. We did that. Because there are some of you have the gift of faith. There are some of you have the gifts of healing. We just don't think that's, that's just for Benny Hinn people. No, that's for the body of Christ people. Some can distinguish the spirits that are working. My wife's very sensitive to that. Some can speak in different kinds of languages. Ooh, ooh. I should have marked that out. But it says it. You know what that means? There are people in here that have the gifting of language. It also says there are people that have the ability to hear languages and interpret what they're saying. Is that still true? Absolutely. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. So, so the first thing we have to do is live according to the spirit within. Second thing we have to do is remove the things that lead us to sin. That's what it says in verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if the spirit... If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So there's, that's the discipline. That's the discipleship part of Christianity. Putting to death the things that lead us into sin. It's putting a discipline upon the body so that we walk in obedience to what the Word of God says. Not to what religion tells you, but what the Word tells you and tells us to follow. See, we have these drives in the body. The scripture says it like this. An ungodly sexual activity. The power of the sexual drive within us is massive. It's massive. Some, in the almost sense, seems to be uncontrollable. And the Lord only gave one place for that to be fulfilled in righteousness in that marriage covenant. But it is a powerful, because it's called the lust of the flesh, right? Flesh equates to the affections, the desires in me that run contrary to the word of God. The lusts of the flesh. The worship of money is another one. It's not money is evil. It's just that the love of it is. If that begins to be your primary purpose in life, and is that your, if that's your motive, that says that's the lust of the eyes. means those, those are the things that I want. I need that. I need that to be happy I need that to be happy. Lust of the eyes. But what it does is it pulls us away from our uh, focus upon the Lord. And then he says this, uh, a selfishly focused life. It's called in the scripture pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We have that laid out for us. Anything that is of the world, can I just simplify it? It's when we put us first. When it's about me. What I want, how I want it, when I want it, the way I want it, for the price I want it, and it's all about me. Can I tell you this, uh, growing believers? At some point in your spiritual growth, it's got to get beyond that in us. Where we start to realize, really this is not all about me. This is about what the Lord Jesus is wanting to do in our midst. And I come in here not to just listen, observe, and feed. I come in here with, a, with an ability in my heart saying, Lord, show me what to do. I'll do it. I've told you before, but what if you're sitting in the pew and the preacher's preaching or the song is being sung and in the midst of that the Spirit of God gets on you and begins to speak to you a word that for some reason it's for John. What are you going to do with it? Well, the first thing I tell you is pray. Don't always just jump and run. Just start praying for John, if that's on your heart. But if it won't quit, maybe you need to go say a word that brings life to somebody who's in a place of death. Well, what if the preacher's preaching? I'll tell you right now. I don't care if you've got a word for a brother that brings life. Go say it. You hear me? You okay with that? Because there is the word of life. There is life within us. And, it's, and it's, we're here as a body of Christ to spread that life around us. Third, live to know. I'm going to go quick. Live to know that the knowledge that we will stand before God. We find this in 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him, pay attention, What is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad? So if we've been forgiven, covered by the blood, so why am I going to have to stand before a judge? You're not going to have to stand before a judge because of your relationship with God or your salvation. That's taken care of. The judgment for the believer is to stand before God about what we've done with our life, our purpose, Chase, our purpose. What have we done with it? That calling that's on you, are you using it? That gift of service, are you serving? That gift of teaching, are you teaching? Or have you said, no, I'm going to rest a while. I'm going to just, I'm going to take it ease. I'm going to build my barns and fill them up and take my ease. And the scripture says, no, you be faithful to what I've called you to do, what I've put within you to do. And when you're done, I'll bring you home. So until you're to your home, be a part of the kingdom. You've got to live with the knowledge that we will stand before him. Fourth thing, real quick. Follow the guideline for living in the spirit. I want to read you a passage out of Romans 8. No, excuse me, let's go to 13 real quick, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone, because I'm going to teach you right now real, something very simple. How do you live in the spirit? I'm going to take away all the mystery. You ready for it? It's easy. How you live in the spirit. Here's how we do it. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Thought this was hard, didn't you? He said, just love your neighbor. For this you shall not, in this you shall not covet adultery or commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you will not covet if there are any other if there's any other commandment it's summed up in this saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself you see love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love fulfills the law you want to make this simple you want to walk in the spirit walk in a spirit of love toward the people around you because if you do you're going to be treating them like Christ would treat them You'll be doing business like Jesus would do business. You would run your marriage like Jesus would in a marriage. If you just love honestly from the heart so that the benefit of the other person is greater than yours, you will be fulfilling the law. That's walking in the fullness of the Spirit. You remember the courtroom at the beginning? Vicki, come on up. Do you remember the fear? The weight? The dread? Of standing before the judge? you Remember what that would feel like? What if somebody on that day, and you're right here, and the judge is right here behind the bench. What if he was getting ready, he was reading your stuff of your guilt, and he's getting ready to pass judgment, and someone walks in from the side door and whispers in his ear, and you're thinking, oh no, they found another one. This is going to be worse. And the judge simply looks down to you and says uh, I see that you are guilty but I just need you to know somebody's already paid your fine so you're free. The judge came in today and he read your stuff and we're all guilty but somebody walked in and said I paid your price. If you'll accept it you can walk free. That's what Jesus did for us. You know, I'd love more than anything else that from this day forward, this body could function without self-condemnation. I'd love that so much. Because a fire would start within us that nothing would stop. But what keeps us in our chair? That little whisper in our ear of judgment, of condemnation. Can I tell you? That's the whisper of the devil he's lying Jesus said he came to give us life and that to be an abundant why would the enemy want us to live in condemnation because he doesn't want the light to shine but for a body of people who started living in that freedom of Christ such a joy this would not be a solemn gathering anymore it would be a celebration uncontainable you would even make us uncomfortable in your worship because you're so free. Wouldn't that be sweet? You don't have to go out of here and, with condemnation. You say, Mark, I'm going to overcome it. All I know to do the truth is that he's, there is now no condemnation. It's available for you right now. I don't know other than possibly, like when you receive salvation in Jesus. You came by faith and say, Lord, I need to receive this by faith. That the condemnation is removed.